0: All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19. And uh, if you grew up in Sunday school, there's no doubt that uh, you have heard the story of Zacchaeus. And uh, and that's what I want to touch base on t- this morning as uh, as we'll go to Luke chapter number 19. And before I forget to mention, I meant to make mention of this earlier, and I uh, slipped my mind. But uh, Brother Bob Snoffer had surgery this week, and things went well, and uh, he is home and recovering. Please continue to pray for his recovery, and I know that he'll certainly appreciate that. And we've you know we've had a lot of people that have been sick as well, and a lot of sickness going around. Continue to pray one for another, and uh, we don't always mention everyone and all the sickness if. If we did boy we'd never get through it all Um, and then certainly I'd forget somebody because it seems like every week somebody else is sick and uh, the next day somebody else is sick and so we can't it's tough to stay on top of it all but pray one for another and uh, and uh, Lord willing uh, we'll get back to normal whatever normal is okay we've kind of lost the sight of what normal is but uh, we'll get back to whatever normal is as best we can Um, Luke chapter number 19 That's why I I go straight to the message. I get off track and then I got to get back on track. I'm like a train and if you get me off the rails, it's not good. Luke chapter number 19 and verse number 1. And uh, as I said, if you grew up in Sunday school, there's no doubt that you have heard the story of Zacchaeus. And you probably sung the song, Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. And uh, I was reading through this and uh, I'm not kidding you when I said I read through this and read through this and read through this and and I probably jotted down about four outlines and uh, and we're not going to we're not gonna look at all four outlines. Don't worry, I am not going to preach a, let's see, three times four, 12-point sermon this morning. Uh, try and keep us on track of just one set uh, that we're going to look at. But there's so many real lessons that can be pulled from this passage uh, of Zacchaeus. And so in Luke chapter number 19 and verse number 1, The Bible says, "And And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature." And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said to him, this day is salvation come to this house for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would help us to stay on track as we look at the passage this morning. And God, I pray that you would help us to see only what you have for us this morning. And I pray that you would touch each and every heart. I pray that you would bless uh, those who have tuned in online, Father, to hear and uh, listen to the word of God. And God, I pray that you'd use me and speak through me. And God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage this morning, I want us to see some things, uh, some, some really some observations about Zacchaeus' life. And uh, there's a lot of observa- observations that can be pulled from this passage as we look at it. But the first thing I want you to notice about Zacchaeus in verse number two, the Bible says this, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. I want you to notice in verse number 2 that Zacchaeus was, and I'm going to put this in air quotes for those that are calling in on the telephone, successful. He was successful. By all measures of the world's standard, Zacchaeus really was a successful man. You look at that phrase, and the Bible says there that he was chief of the publicans. I got to looking that up, I thought, "What is that? what exactly does that mean? And, and so I was looking it up, and, and I found that it's only used one time in the entire Bible, and it's right here. And so, uh, so I guess we'll have to just take our logic and break it down. And a chief would be, uh, well, if you look in the Bible for other chiefs, you'll find uh, chiefs of, of certain things. I, I, they slip my mind right now what they are. But, uh, but they had, there were certain things of, of which they were chief. There was, I think, the chief priest or the uh, chief soldier. They, there were several things that are mentioned as chief. And that would mean that they are the boss. They are up on top. And you look at this and you find out that, hey, Zacchaeus probably was a very prominent businessman. Zacchaeus, you know, what did he do? He was a publican. A publican simply means that he was a tax collector. Uh, but as you think about that, uh, that's not a very popular idea. Uh, but, but because he was chief, he was probably top in all of Jericho. That's where he was from. That's where he was as Jesus was passing through Jericho. And so in most people's eyes, they would look at him and they'd say, man, that's a successful businessman. They might not like him, but he was chief. He was the boss. He was on top. He was somebody that was ahead of everyone else. And so we find that, hey, that's considered successful by the world. After all, the world uh, wants you to advance and climb the corporate ladder and go to the top and be the boss of everything. And, and that's their idea uh, of being, uh, being successful. Listen, as we think about that and we think about the success that he had, it's, it's amazing really what people will do to climb the ladder of success. The old adage, the old saying goes true that, uh, that you be careful uh, who you step on while you're climbing the ladder. You may need them on your way back down. A good reminder to always be kind to people, and as Christians we ought to be, but Zacchaeus was a a worldly man, and so he had climbed that corporate ladder of success and made it to the top of the the publicans, the tax collecting, and he was the chief, he was the guy in charge, and so he certainly had a, a prominent position as a tax collector. And the world would certainly declare him successful. Not only that, but I want you to notice as well in verse number 2 that the Bible makes a specific note, and he was rich. Boy, the world really puts a lot of stock in that. after all I was talking with somebody this week and and uh, and he was he was referring to our area around here and and rather north of here and in, in Maslin and uh, and he said yeah there was a, a gated community and and I knew it right what he was talking about and and, uh, and really the world looks to that and says well those are the successful people after all they're the ones that are, uh, are are they've made it in life and they're making a lot of money and and people tend to look at at, at your possessions and what you have as being being successful, the world puts a lot of stock in that. I was with Pastor the other night. We was down in Steubenville preaching on Friday night and had a good meeting. And he reminded me of a bumper sticker. It says, uh, one that he dislikes and, and I agree with him. He, it says, um, uh, the one with all the toys wins. That really sums up the world's philosophy. I mean, it really does. They think, hey, to have all of those things. And listen, it's not wrong to have possessions. We certainly understand that. But let me just show you a few things about possessions and about riches. The Bible says, and you can just note this down in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse number 10, the Bible says, "...he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase, this also is vanity." Riches cannot satisfy. By the way, we notice that even in Zacchaeus' life, uh, because Zacchaeus, though he had great wealth and though he had prominence, we find that when Jesus passed by, he was curious to see, hey, who is this Jesus and what is going on? And so we find that the Bible is very clear that uh, wealth does not satisfy and riches do not satisfy. Uh, in the past, I've looked up examples, and you can find many examples of people who seemingly would have it all. I mean, uh, if you were to look at them, I'd say, man, I'll, I'll take one of his cars, I'll take one of his boats, I'll take one of his bikes. I mean, all the toys he's got, you know, and, and uh, probably wouldn't even dent his wallet. And And you look at their life, but many times you find behind all of those toys... A person that is very unsatisfied and unhappy in life because all the riches and all the things that you can acquire in this world cannot satisfy. That's what the Bible is saying here in Ecclesiastes 5.10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Worldly pleasure cannot bring satisfaction. Possessions cannot bring satisfaction. Not only that, but I want you to notice that riches cannot redeem. Save your spot here. And I want—I do want you to go to this verse in 1 Peter chapter number 1. And I'd like for you to see this. I, I think it's important to see this in the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter number 1. We know this verse and uh, I've have quoted this verse many times even here at church, but what a, what a wonderful verse, First Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 18. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.18, he says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by pr- tradition from your fathers. He, he says there in verse number 18 that, hey, riches such as silver and riches such as gold cannot redeem your soul. All the wealth of this world will not buy your salvation. And we find that... Hey, that Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man, but yet he could not purchase his own salvation. The Bible goes on in the next verse there in First Peter one. It says, "But the pre- but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish." And without spot. We find that, hey, riches cannot satisfy a person. Many people in the world are looking to satisfy the longing of their life and the whole they have in their life with riches. But the Bible's clear that riches cannot satisfy. Riches cannot redeem the soul that is lost. That's very clear in the Word of God. Many people think, well, you know, I'll, I'll give to charity and, and that might ease their conscience and bless God, we'll take it, all right? We'll put it on the building, building fund. But it's not going to save their soul. Giving, giving of our possessions cannot redeem the soul. And listen, we find that uh, uh, that Zacchaeus, in the world's eyes, would have been a very successful man. I mean, after all, he had prominence. Uh, he was a very high position. He was a boss in his office. And uh, and he was probably in charge of all the tax collecting in all of Jericho. And on top of that, he was very wealthy. The Bible makes a mention that he was rich. But all those riches cannot satisfy And all those riches cannot redeem his soul. And I'm reminded of the verse in Revelation 3.17 where the Bible says, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Listen, all the wealth and all the prominence in the world doesn't raise you one iota in God's eyes. Because that doesn't mean anything to God. God's not interested. God owns the cattle on a thousand hill. God's streets are paved in gold. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's mere asphalt to Him. And it doesn't matter. Uh, All the wealth of this world really doesn't mean anything to God. And all the prominence that other men will give you does not mean anything to God. But in God's book, listen, uh, you must be born again. That's what means something to God. Success in the world's book does not equate success in God's book. And sometimes, you know, we're tempted. I, 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 we're, we're, uh, it's easier to see people who are down and out. I'll say it that way. And say, well, that, mean, that man needs Jesus. And he does, don't get me wrong. And then we see the prominent people that are well off. And, and they're bosses. And they have finances. And they have everything. And they say, man, they're doing all right. No, 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 they're not doing all right they need Jesus too. And sometimes we overlook that and sometimes we don't recognize that. And Zacchaeus was prominent and Zacchaeus had possessions, but Zacchaeus was poor, spiritually speaking. He had nothing. And so we find that by the success that the world would equate and say, hey, Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. He truly was not a wealthy man, but he was rather a poor man in spirit. We find success is not the same in the spiritual world. But I want you to notice as well, not only that Zacchaeus was a successful man by business standards or by the world standards, I want you to notice that, uh, that he was a sinner as well. Look with me at verse number 5. And when Jesus came to the place... He looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him and received him joyfully. Verse number seven, and when they saw it, boy, you gotta love that crowd. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, That he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. They're always complaining about Jesus' actions. If he he was hanging out with his disciples, he wasn't fasting. If he was hanging out with sinners, well, he eats with publicans and sinners. And Jesus could never uh, meet the public expectation uh, of what they had desired of him. But I want you to notice that very clearly we see that Zacchaeus was a sinner. Listen, he's not a sinner because the accusation of the people. I want that to be understood. Just because all the people thought that Zacchaeus was a sinner did not make him a sinner. They were accurate in their, in their accusation, by the way but because of their accusation did not make him a sinner. We find actually proof in this text that Zacchaeus was a sinner. Zacchaeus was a sinner because the Bible is very clear that all men have sinned and all men have gone against God. And so the Bible is very clear that Zacchaeus was a sinner, but we also find proof right here in our text. Look in verse number 8. In Zacchaeus' confession, when after he's saved, he starts talking to Jesus and he says this, and Zacchaeus stood, And said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. He goes on and he says, And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Why did he say half of my goods I give to the poor? To be honest with you, he didn't remember every person he had stolen from. I mean, he had been in this business a long time. And those tax collectors, they were crooked people in Bible times. Uh, there was not a strict adherence or guideline. And, and they would go in and they would set an evaluation. Okay, uh, based on everything I see here, this is your tax. And they might slide in a, a 20% increase. And then they would take that and they would pocket that 20% and take the rest back to their boss. And the reality of it is there's no way on earth that Zacchaeus could remember all the people that he had stolen from. But he admitted he knew he had a guilty conscience I've stolen from a lot of people. The only way that I can really try and rectify that is is to give half of my goods to the poor. I mean, I don't know another way to restore. And and he says in the second part, he says, if any man, uh, if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. In other words, hey, if somebody does bring an account to his mind and says, hey, listen, uh, you did steal from me, and here's the time, and here's the place, and here's the amount, and Zacchaeus said, listen, I'm going to to pay it back fourfold because Zacchaeus recognized, hey, that he had stolen from people. He had been selfish in his life. Listen, selfishness is just our nature. It's our sin nature. Every child, I've said this many times, is born as a selfish child. And, uh, and it's just part of our nature. And so we find that Zacchaeus was a sinner. We see the proof in the text. I want you to notice this. Not only was, uh, had he stolen from people, but I want you to notice this effect about sin. Sin will leave you in a lonely place in your life. Look back with me at verse number 3. I found this interesting. The Bible says it's talking about Zacchaeus. And he sought to see Jesus who he was, and he could not for the press because he was little of stature. As you read that, I want you to notice this. Zacchaeus, in all of his prominence, in all of his wealth, was by all rights alone in this crowd. There wasn't anybody that could that could part the way for Zacchaeus. I understand being small of stature. I understand somebody that's not very tall and and maybe not able to push their way through a crowd. But Zacchaeus did not have one friend with him that day to help push through the crowd to open up a spot. Hey, can you let my friend through? He wants to see somebody. Listen, sin will leave you in a very lonely place in your life. Zacchaeus is an example of that. We find that he was in a crowd of people, but he was isolated by himself. Sin tends to isolate you from other people. And I want you to notice, not only do we find that he is a sinner, we see the proof of his sin, but the Bible would tell us that there is a punishment for sin. The Bible says in Revelation 21.8, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in 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 the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Listen, this morning we need, to, we need to be reminded that hell is a real place. It is a place that people go to. It is a place that sinners go to. And but by the grace of God, there go, there go I. We need to be reminded that hell is a real place. I'm glad, and I thank God for my salvation, that I put my faith in Jesus Christ as a young boy, uh, and I know for a fact, hey, that when I die, I'm not going to go to hell, not because Shane Rice is a good boy, not because Shane Rice puts a lot of money in the offering, not because Shane Rice went to the mission field and served the Lord in charity works and here and there, but because Shane Rice put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save him. That's why I'm assured of my home in heaven. Listen, all those other things, they, they don't count for salvation that's not going to save anybody but but there is a real place that's called hell and we oftentimes we're, we're grateful that we're not going there we're grateful that we're assured of a place in heaven but we need to be reminded that hey there are men and women who are successful in this life who are bosses who are wealthy there are people who are poor there are people who are middle class there are people over every spectrum of of the economic realm that are going to die and spend all of eternity in a place called hell. Because there is a punishment for sin. We find that we need to be reminded of that and hell is a place of no escape. If you were to flip back just a uh, one chapter in Luke chapter number sixteen, or, or a couple pages rather, and you would find that uh, the Bible gives an account of that rich man who had died, and the Bible says, and he lifted up his eyes, being in. Torments And he was in hell. And you you read down through the passage until you hit verse 26. And and he's given instruction. And he says, And beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. And it is a place where they will suffer and be stuck for all of eternity. And there's a punishment for sin. We find that Zacchaeus, not only was he successful, but Zacchaeus was a sinner. There's no doubt about it. There's a punishment for that sin. But I'm glad for this passage. Look with me back in Luke 19 in our text in verse number 6. Go back to verse number 5. I love this verse. And when Jesus came to the place he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must abide at thy house. Verse number six, and he made haste and came down, I love this phrase, and received him joyfully. That phrase just sounds and echoes out salvation at that moment. What a, what a wonderful verse that Zacchaeus received... Jesus Christ. I, re- I jotted down several verses here. One, John 1.12 says, uh, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Listen, when a sinner uh, realizes he sinned and he receives the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, listen, he is born again and he is saved and he's become a son of God. What a wonderful verse that he received him joyfully. I'm reminded of the verse in Revelation 3.20. We read in verse 17 earlier that said that, uh, they, that you think you have everything, but you don't know that you're uh, blind and naked and needy and, and have, you're wretched and have need of of everything. And he goes on in that same passage and he says in verse number 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I just love that verse. Because if we recognize our need, we open our heart to him. Listen, he'll come. He's not going to force his way in. John six thirty seven: all that the Father shall uh, giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. What a blessing to know that, hey, Zacchaeus was called on that day and and God looked up in that tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down uh, from going to your house today. And, And Zacchaeus said, man, hallelujah. To have all the guests in the world, I'll have none other but Jesus Christ in my house. And he gladly received him. What a wonderful verse. What a wonderful time. Man, do you remember the day that you got saved? And I don't know about you, and I just remember knowing, man, that I am saved. I was young, and I probably didn't understand all the the things of sin, and honestly, I'm kind of glad I didn't, but, uh, but I did know this, I'm saved. I'm glad that I can receive the Lord Jesus Christ. It's childlike faith, whether you're a young person, whether you're an old person. Hey, you ought to be able to go back to a time you might not know the exact date. You might not know the exact time, but you ought to have a place in your life that you can go back to. And you say, well, I know for sure I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This day, Zacchaeus wouldn't forget. He was up in that tree. He could tell you the story. Uh, He was was very familiar with it. And he received Jesus Christ. I want you to notice this as well. He was a saved man because he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Uh, Not because of all the things that he did afterwards. That is a show of his salvation. But I want you to notice as well that he recognized Jesus as Lord. I love verse number 8. The Bible says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto him, Unto the Lord, be." Behold, Lord. The half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And listen, uh, Zacchaeus recognized in his life, before what was Lord in his life, before what was important, it was probably wealth, it was probably prominence, it was probably the success of the world that he was driving for, and he had arrived at that point in his life when he had the prominence. had the possessions. And he realized all of this is vanity. All of this is empty. And I have all of this, but I have nothing in my life. And I'm still in need of something. And so as Jesus was passing by, he said, man, I want to see him. And when he did, and Jesus called him out and he said, hey, I'm coming to your house. He came down and he gladly received him. And he says, hey, Lord, I'm done serving the world. I'm done serving the wealth. I'm done serving the prominence. I'm done serving the world's idea of success. And now I want to serve the Lord because I want something different. And you'll notice there in verse number 8, hey, I love this. Uh, You you know this man got saved as a tax collector. He's saying, man, I'll give it all away. I don't need it because I have the peace of God in my life. And I got my eternity settled with God. And that's not what saved him, understand that, because salvation does not come of works, but works come about because of salvation. And this man's life was changed, gloriously changed, and he reacted with a change because he knew God had made a difference in his life. We find Zacchaeus was a successful man. We find Zacchaeus was a sinner. We find Zacchaeus as a saved man. But I want you to notice as well in verses 9 and 10 as we think about the Savior, the Bible says in verse 9, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house for as much as... Uh, He also is a son of Abraham. Verse number 10. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Why was Zacchaeus a saved man that day? Because of a seeking savior. You look at verse number 10, and I absolutely love that verse, and I've quoted it so many times. And we find that, uh, look, the Bible says, for the Son of Man, that would be Jesus Christ, that would be God that left His throne in heaven and came unto on, this earth and took on Himself the form of man, and He was manifest in the flesh, and, and He was intent on seeking the lost. Why did He come? He came because he wanted to look for lost people. He was concerned. That's what the text says. The son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. God was busy looking for the lost. And as he walked on his path, I think Jesus was probably one of the busiest men on the face of the earth. I really do. You talk about if he would have had a cell phone, I'm telling you every second it would have been blown up with text. I got I got a case of leprosy here. I got a deaf man here. I got a blind man here. I got a sick aunt here. I got a need here. And and he would have been bombarded with the needs of the world. And even without the technology, he was bombarded with the needs of the world. And I love. That Jesus Christ, in all the busyness of his life, as he was passing by Jericho, and I'm I'm just imagining in Jesus' life, it was a normal occurrence for people to flock and to see him. Hey, there's Jesus. Hey, here's the man that healed the deaf. Hey, here's the man that raised the dead. Hey, here's the man that made the blind to see. Hey, this is the man. And, and people would just flock to watch as Jesus would walk by. And I just imagine it was a normal occurrence in the life of Jesus for him to travel from place to place and in all the busyness of his life and as he, the Bible says in verse number one, as he entered and passed through Jericho, Jericho was not his stop. It was merely a city in which he was traveling through and he was heading somewhere else. But at the same time in all the busyness of his life in all the pressures that would come under his life that he took time to seek the lost everywhere he went the Bible says there in verse 5 and when Jesus came to the place he looked up you know what he did he took time to notice lost people around him he stopped he looked up in the tree there's Zacchaeus I just imagine it was not the first time somebody had climbed a tree to see Jesus. I could imagine kids being there on the walkway and climbing the trees and they can't see and they, they would climb. But Zacchaeus, maybe that's where Zacchaeus got the idea. But, but Jesus stopped and he looked. And I'm reminded in our life how we need to look for the lost. We need to have our eyes open for lost people. I'm reminded of that song. It's an old song that's such a good song. People need the Lord. And every day we pass them by. And so many times we don't, I don't always consider and I don't always think, well, that's a lost person that needs the Lord. I'm glad that Jesus took time to stop and to recognize and see lost people. Not only did Jesus seek for lost people, Jesus saw lost people. But I want you to notice as well in verse number five, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide in the, at thy house. And not only did he look and see the lost, but I want you to notice as well, he took time to speak to the lost. We get so busy and, and I, I love to carry gospel tracks and I love to leave gospel tracks and you ought to leave gospel tracks. You ought to witness everywhere you go. But sometimes we need to stop and speak to people and say, hey, God loves you. God cares about you. Can I show can I share with you some gospel verses about how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity? We need to open our mouth and speak. Jesus spoke to people. You know what? The, the, the disciples, they didn't have gospel tracts to pass out. They turned the world upside down. They didn't have the radio. They didn't have text messaging. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have newspaper. They didn't have TV. You know what they did? They spoke to people. And we have all those things, and I'm all for using every avenue that we can to get the gospel out. But let us not forget the most basic thing of speaking to other people. and Letting them know that, hey, Jesus Christ loves them, died on a cross for them. Jesus Christ sought the lost. He saw the lost, and he spoke to the lost. And we find that Zacchaeus was saved that day. What an example to us. What an example in our life to pattern our lives after Jesus Christ. And we ought to talk to people. We ought to see people. We ought to seek the lost. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the depth and wonder of your word. God, so much there that we can get out of it. God, I pray that you would help each and every person. Help us to see even successful people as sinners that need you. Help us to see lost people. Help us to seek lost people. And help us to speak to lost people about their need for you. God, there's people all around us. People that are hurting, people that are lonely, people that are in need, people that are, for all practical purposes, abandoned. And God, what an open door and what an opportunity we have to show them your love and your compassion. God, I pray that you'd help us to show your love to a lost and dying world, to pattern our life after yours. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. Father, maybe there's one out there that's listening. And by all rights, they're successful in the world but they find themselves with that void in their life. They have accomplishments. They have prominence. They have arrived at the place of authority. They have riches and wealth, but, God, they find themselves empty and alone. God, may they turn to you. God, just as you said in your word, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if they'll open their hearts to you, God, you're willing to save them, to change their life. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Christian, we need to pattern our life after that of Jesus Christ to seek the lost, to see the lost, and to speak to the lost. Take time to witness. Take time to tell others about Jesus Christ. Maybe you listened to this message and you realized in your life that you're trusting in your riches. You're trusting in your prominence. Maybe you've acquired all of that and. And it doesn't, doesn't meet the need. It doesn't fill the hole. When you find yourself empty, listen, that's a good place to be in because now you know Jesus Christ can fill that hole. He can fill that void. He can change your life. Put your faith and trust in Him. Ask Him to save you. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved he wants to change your life if you'll let him it's the piano plays the altars open